the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. Authority on AM 1420. The answer. It is indeed, and a good morning to you. Thanks for joining us. We're underway at seven minutes after the hour of nine o'clock on this Thursday. It's the second morning of the 12th month of the year of our Lord 2021. And we have reason for hope today. We have reason for hope today, thanks to just a few words that we heard from pro constitutional justices on the Supreme Court of the United States. You thought I was going to say pro-life, didn't you? Well, they may be, but it's not about their personal views. It's about their views on the Constitution. We're going to talk in some depth about this this morning. The left continues to argue, including members of that court, continues to argue that abortion is a constitutional right in the United States of America. The ability to kill and take a human life is constitutionally protected, according to the American left. Bernie Sanders tweeted as much, literally those words, abortion is a constitutional right. AOC, Sonia Sotomayor, isn't it funny? We're going from legislators to justices, legislators to justices. Why does that matter? Because the justices are not supposed to act like legislators. Yet they are. Elena Kagan, Justice Breyer, the left wing of that court sounds like they're reading directly from the AOC, Nancy Pelosi, Kamala Harris, Planned Parenthood, Margaret Sanger playbook. Yes. They're all in the same boat. They are all on the same side. And it's important that you know that. Sometimes one can be judged by the company they keep. And in this case, the American left, the Democrat Party, 
the pro-abortionists, the baby killer crowd, they keep the company of Margaret Sanger, a eugenicist and a racist and, quite frankly, the sponsor of millions of murders of preborn children. We'll get into all of that here coming up in just a few. Right now, uh, I want to tell you who's coming up. At 9.35, we're going to talk to uh, Representative Al Catrona, Ohio State Representative. He is the one responsible for House Bill 218, which passed through the House and which is now being taken up in the Senate. They had their first uh, discussion about this a couple of days ago on Tuesday. And Representative Catrona will be joining us today to talk about that and what's good about this bill, what he wishes could have been included in this bill, and how important it is to get it through the Senate with a large number, with a veto-proof majority. That, of course, is the key. Any bill that that, uh, eliminates mandates in the state of Ohio, any bill that forbids companies or governments to mandate uh, profit shots in the arms of the people in order to have their jobs or students, or discriminate, discriminates against anyone who doesn't have proof of their profit shots. Uh, a bill like that is going to be vetoed by Mike DeWine. Make no mistake about it, Mike DeWine does not believe in liberty. Mike DeWine does not believe in your ability to make your own choices when it comes to what medicines you take. Mike DeWine believes that what his doctors say, whether it's Dr. Amy Acton, who, by the way, has a new role. I don't want to chase this uh, squirrel here, but... Did you see that Dr. Amy Acton, the walking lab coat herself, Dr. Acton is now going to wear her lab coat in the new mayor of Cleveland's office as one of his advisors. I mean, this is hilarious. Justin Bibb has chosen the mumbling, bumbling, stumbling lab coat as one of his chief advisors. Uh, Not sure exactly what she's going to advise on, to be quite frank. Health matters, I guess. But uh, (laughs) the the lab coat is back. Uh, And uh, going back to the DeWine thing, yeah, he will veto anything like this. We will talk about getting veto-proof majorities uh, in the House and in the Senate in order to make this happen. Again, it's not a perfect bill, and I'll tell Representative Catrona that. I think he already knows because it does not uh, uh, last in perpetuity. It's got a sunset clause uh, in 2025, which means when the next variant is discovered in 2026, they can do this whole thing to us again, the new coronavirus or the new this virus or that scare. They can do this all over again, and then we'll have to relitigate um, the... Um, uh, uh, the a new bill to stop a mandate like this. So, so this one has got some good to it. It's not as strong as 248 was, but 248 couldn't get passed. It was killed even by some of its own co-sponsors, much to the chagrin of Jennifer Gross. Representative Gross worked very, very hard on that, but this is the one we have now. So we'll talk to Representative Catrona at 935. Then at 1010, it's the return of Dr. Everett Piper. And I know people have been asking me, when's Piper back on? Because he's been off the last couple of weeks. One, because last Thursday was Thanksgiving. The week before that, I was out and out of town. So uh, it's been up three weeks. It will have been three weeks since we heard uh, from the wisdom and the brilliance of Dr. Everett Piper. He will join us at 1010. So there you go. Representative Al Catrona at 935. Dr. Everett Piper at 1010. Now, I would like to ask you to join me for the start of our show and the Pledge of Allegiance, without, uh, but not before I give a little quick shout-out. I, lo- I can't remember the caller's name yesterday, and I apologize, but a uh, caller yesterday called in to say, I was listening to the beginning of your show, and I heard your call for the Pledge of Allegiance. I was driving, said the caller. We should pull this call, by the way, uh, to my producers. This, this should be pulled. 
Um, Brian, oh, good. John's got the name. Thank you, John. Brian called, said he was driving when it happened, and he put his hand on his heart, and he was driving on the highway, and he pulled up alongside, I think he said a trucker, and he looked over at the trucker, and the trucker had his hand on his heart. And he said they looked at each other and kind of did a thumbs-up type thing or something like that to indicate, yeah, I'm listening to. I absolutely love that. And this is part two of my little shout-out. Last night I was having a conversation with uh, a good man, a really good man, former mayoral candidate, Robert Kylo. Robert is uh, the uh, Northeast Ohio director of FCA, which is the um, Fellowship of Christian Athletes. And he and I were talking last night, and um, he told me, I just want you to know, every day, <laughs> he said, every day I put my hand on my heart and I recite that pledge when you do that on the air. He said it means a lot to him. I just get more and more of these stories that you, I just, well, you wouldn't think, because people think it's a gimmick. And to be truthful, it started out as kind of a gimmick. It started out as a, oh, yeah, well, watch this. And I, I started it out over a year ago. I don't know, maybe a little more than that. And I don't know if anybody else does this in talk radio. Maybe they do. Maybe I'm, I'm just you know late to the party. But it was a little over a year ago uh, that I started doing this, maybe longer, when um, it was made clear that in Senate or excuse me, in uh, congressional committees, Republicans were asking to start their meetings uh, with uh, the Pledge of Allegiance, and Democrats who were in charge of the committees, of course, because they have the power, they have the uh, chairmanship of the committees, said no. And it just made me so upset. How can we? Are we so divided as the country that we cannot say we love the country? Is it, is it that hard to pledge our allegiance at the start of a committee meeting, a legislative meeting, or hearing, or 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 coffee coffee break? I mean, if, if you get everybody together in in the in their formal roles, as you know, legislators or or oath keepers to the, the, the United States of America, and they all take oaths to uphold and defend and support the Constitution of the United States of America, you're telling me we're so divided that we can't even put anything aside and say, let's, in the interest of our oath to uphold the Constitution, let's, let's reiterate our pledge of allegiance to this great republic. We can't do that even? It made me so mad when I heard that. And I can't remember who it was or which committee it was, but the Republicans stood up and led the Pledge of Allegiance anyway, despite the gaveling down of the of the Democrats. I, I just can't remember the specifics of the location, but I do remember the the, the specifics of the uh, of of the content of that. And that's when I came on the air and said, you know what? Since they won't do it in 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 committee sessions, we'll do it here. We'll start our program with the Pledge of Allegiance. And then I did it the next day, and I did it the next day, and I said, you know what? We're going to start our show every day with the Pledge of Allegiance. And I never in a million years would have thought that so many people would take this to heart. When I ask you, which I'm about to do again, to stand up, patriots, face a flag if you have one. And if you don't, it's okay. But put your hand on your heart and recite the Pledge of Allegiance with us. Democrats, as I always say, because we clearly know where you stand, or in this case, where you kneel, go ahead and take that knee. We know you don't have allegiance to this great, glorious republic. But it means a lot to people, as I found out. People do it in their cars. People do it in their, uh, in their homes. People do it in their offices. Patriots, join us for the pledge. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands one nation under god indivisible with liberty 
and justice for all. So I keep getting messages that that means a lot to people, and that means a lot to me. It means that we're doing our job here. And uh, to again steal the line of the great sage, uh, Larry Elder, we've got a country to save, and you cannot save a country that you do not love. You cannot save a country you do not believe in. Pledging our allegiance, pledging our belief in the greatness of this country is the first step toward, indeed, saving it. So uh, let's get into this a little bit. Um, Yesterday... There was an extraordinary reason for hope, as I said at the top, that I did not know I was going to get. I watched and listened as closely as I could to some of the oral arguments in the Supreme Court case that is being heard right now that many believe is going to be the case that is is transformational. It is going to have a, a, a lasting for decades impact on the United States of America, depending upon what it, what, uh, on what happens. Um, it could be the overturning of Roe versus Wade, the egregiously wrong decision that was made back in 1973. It could be the case that overturns uh, Roe versus Wade. Likewise, Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health, a case that challenges Mississippi's ban on abortions after 15 weeks. It could also do the opposite. It could reaffirm that that Roe isn't going anywhere. Ever. Maybe ever. We are talking about nearly 50 years ago, this Supreme Court case. And if you've ever... There's a there's a movie, and not that this is the only you know movie that's ever been done on Roe versus Wade, or documentary, or you know research presentation, because there have been a ton of legal opinions offered and a ton of uh, recreations and so on and so forth. But last spring at the uh, Ohio uh, Right to Life event, uh, which I was privileged to, to MC Molly Smith's event that she puts together every year, and she asked me to MC for the two days last uh, spring. Among the presentations, and there were some phenomenal ones in support of life, in support of preborn children, in support of mothers, in support of even rape victims and victims of incest who had their babies and, and, and loved their babies. Amidst all of that, there was a presentation of a movie that I think is the most jarring and eye-opening uh, recounting of what led to the Supreme Court vote of Roe versus Wade. And I am talking about corruption. I am talking about lies. I am talking about uh, undue influence and intimidation in order to get Roe versus Wade passed. I'm talking about the actual plaintiff in the case. I'm talking about a woman who didn't realize that she was being used to, to push a case for the federal upholding of abortion rights. A woman who, once she realized what was going on, uh, tried to pull herself and has continued to to disassociate herself from this. The real Jane Roe. For 50 years, nearly 50 years, people have been wondering how on earth this horrific uh, uh, decision could have been reached in the Supreme Court. And for 50 years, pro-lifers have been trying to get it revoked. But there's never been an opportunity with a court, with the makeup of the the court, the way that it is right now. And there's never been a case, quite frankly, that could be as widely uh, effective 
in this case, or in this matter, rather, as, as Dobbs, the case we're talking about right now. So I went into this yesterday with somewhat decent expectations, but not high ones because we have been let down before by conservative majority courts when it comes to very important matters that are not constitutional, including mandating people buy health insurance. The Obamacare ruling was simply unconscionable. And we had a five to four majority there, too. Never before in history has, in in the United States history anyway, have Americans been forced to buy a product or service under penalty of law from a private company. And that's health insurance. It had never been done before. It's unconstitutional. People can't be forced under penalty of law to buy things against their will. But our conservative court said, yes, they can. John Roberts flipped the other way and said, yep, yes, they can. And I don't want to relitigate that, by the way, but just to answer the internal questions of people listening right now, what are you talking about? It's been mandatory for a long time that we have to buy car insurance. And the people who think that are shallow thinkers, and I'm sorry if you're one, don't be a shallow thinker. Join us you know, here in, 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 the, de- in the deep. No one is forced to buy car insurance. It is not a requirement to drive a car. You are not required as, a, as an American citizen to drive, to have a license, to own a car. It is a choice that you make to own a car and to be a driver. And if you make the choice to drive, then, yes, you have to have car insurance. So th- that's the difference. In the Obamacare mandate that you must have health insurance, you have to have it no matter what. There's no choice that you can make. It's just to exist. To live here and exist in the United States, you must have health insurance. You must buy a health insurance product from somebody. All of this, of course, a part of you know the, the governmental, uh, universal uh, the push for universal health care, single-payer health care, and so forth. But the Supreme Court dropped the ball there. The Supreme Court also wrote into the Constitution something that had never mentioned before uh, when it was written, or in any of the amendments to the Constitution. Justice John Roberts, again, in the same-sex marriage case. Constitution had never discussed marriage before, ever. Ever. Not traditional marriage, not one man, one woman marriage. It's never talked about it, ever. And yet, somehow, the Supreme Court decided the Constitution defends marriage. And it defends marriage between anybody. Two men, two women. I don't know. Did it go to three and one? Three men, one woman, three women, one man. I don't know if it went that far, but all I do know is it was never there before, and now it is. So I didn't go into yesterday thinking we've got a lock on this one because it's a six-to-three conservative supermajority, as a lot of conservative commentators are calling it. It's not a conservative supermajority if the conservatives on it are not super conservative. And by conservative, we don't mean ideologues. We mean completely and simply constitutional originalists leave the constitution alone interpret laws or bills that have been passed as laws interpret the constitution based on how it was written not on how it should have changed over the decades and over the centuries originalists that's what conservatives are as originalists rather than activists who can twist and turn and shred and rewrite the constitution any way they want to allow uh you know, their their liberal ideology to be advanced. That's what the minority does in this case. 
So I went into this yesterday with decent hopes, but not belief that it was a lock. I came out of it with a lot more hope than I went in. I heard some tremendous things from Samuel Alito, from Clarence Thomas, from John Roberts himself, and from Brett Kavanaugh. And I am feeling very, very strong, very, very strong about the possibility that the people will have the right now to vote on whether or not abortion laws stay laws in their states. That by the time this is said and done and the opinion is written and the vote is taken, and we won't find out until next year, by the time it's done, babies may have their strongest chance ever at surviving the attempts on their lives in American wombs. All right, 926. Long monologue. Apologies for that, but we'll come right back on AM 1420. Download the free WHK mobile app and listen to your favorite WHK programs or podcasts on the go. It's free in your app store. Okay, so Ohio House Bill 218, it's a big one. We talk about mandates just about every day on this show. The uh, state of Ohio governor, or excuse me, uh, the state of Ohio, uh, uh, private companies, corporations throughout Ohio, all forcing their employees to ma- uh, mandating them to get the big pharma profit shots in order to keep their jobs. House Bill 218 would eliminate that. The sponsor of that bill is Representative Al Catrona, and he will join me next, right after the news on it. <laughs> president is incoherent doesn't mean you have to be the bob france authority keeping you politically coherent on am 1420 the answer doing our best to do exactly that each and every morning here on am 1420 the answer thank you for being with us it's uh, 937 state representative al catrona is uh, the representative of ohio's 59th house district which is out in mahoning county uh near youngstown or actually encompassing some of youngstown and representative catrona is at the forefront of a huge piece of legislation that is now being taken up by the ohio senate after passing representative catrona's ohio house and that of course is the anti-mandate bill house bill 218 and he joins us now with an update representative catrona good to have you on our program how are you sir i'm glad to be back i appreciate you having me and absolutely i think that this piece of legislation is more important now than ever before uh you're seeing what's happening on the federal level and i told everybody when i uh, testified in the senate i can't control what's happening on the on the federal level but i sure as heck am going to do everything i can on the state level and i think this bill really accomplishes a balanced approach yeah, and you know, there's a lot of good in this bill. I was a huge supporter of House Bill 248, the one that was introduced by Representative Jennifer Gross. Uh, it was a lot stronger and stricter, I think, than this one is. Uh, and it did not have a sunset clause. It would have been forever in perpetuity uh, that you know, in future quote-unquote health emergencies that the government could not restrict the rights of Ohioans the way that they're trying to. But that one died. That one, that one did not have the support it needed, unfortunately. And now we have yours. I think there's a lot of good in it. I don't think it's perfect, but I think there's a lot of good in it. So let's talk about the good that it does. Uh, tell us specifically what your bill does with respect to mandated uh, vaccinations or mandated profit shots, as I call them, for Ohio workers. Absolutely. Well, first I'd like to say uh, you're absolutely right. I mean, uh, the bill covers a lot of stuff. Is it a perfect bill? 
uh, you know what, it can always be worked on, and we can work on additional legislation to get us there. And as far as this bill here, it addresses the exemptions. It says, listen, whether we codify what's happening on the federal level, uh, with what the laws are, with medical and religion, we include antibodies, and we additionally, we include a very important one, which is a conscious objection, basically saying, I don't want the shot, I don't want the jab, then you don't have to get it. And so, and, and, and I told everybody that one of the really important things is it, it also talks about being, um, you know, fully FDA approved. Because, you know, right now it's COVID-19. Next week it could be COVID-20. And we need to make sure that new drugs are coming out there that people aren't being at um, experiments, basically. Well, yeah, and, that, that, that's a big point. And, and that's, that's one of the reasons why people should have the right to conscientious objections here. You don't have to have, ask for a, uh, a, a religious exemption or have a medical exemption. You should have just by reasons of your own conscience. And that is, hey, look, you know, vaccinations have traditionally in this country taken at least 10 years of trials before they're given full approval by the FDA. That way they know what the long-term ramifications and side effects may be. Here, we have no long, we have no idea what the long-term ramifications will be, so we should have the right to say, I don't feel like finding out the hard way. I don't feel like being an, you know, one of the subjects of the experiment here of the big pharmaceutical companies. You're absolutely right. And one thing I will note is this piece of legislation covers a really important portion of the technology, those vaccine passports. Uh, you know, we're seeing what's happening over in Australia. We're seeing New York. We're seeing California. We are Ohio. We're not New York, okay? We need to ensure that people aren't having to show documentation, a proof of vaccination. The bill addresses another key point, and that's our education. Uh, we do not want our children to be treated differently based upon their vaccination status. This bill has discriminatory language in there that would preclude and prevent. And just so everybody knows, this, this bill covers both public and private. And, Bob, when we spoke over in Strongsville, that was something you were passionate about. That you said that we needed to make sure that we had a bill that covers both public and private. And that's what this bill does. Yeah, that's extraordinarily important. No question about it. We're talking with Representative Alcatrona uh, from Ohio Fifty Nine. No, you're you're exactly right. Um, I, I want to talk about the 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 other element of this because we, we're mostly talking about anti you know shot ma- uh, mandates. Again, I avoid vaccine whenever I can because they're not true vaccines. Um, we're talking about anti-shot mandates, but also anti-mask mandates. That's also covered in this, right? You know, this piece of legislation covers uh, the the vaccine portion of it, uh, and so that's kind of the the, the crux of it. Uh, we we obviously want to cover a lot more, but once you like you said, we had to make sure we had the votes to override governor's veto um, to show the Senate that we're here to we're here to move legislation across the finish line. So, you know, we okay, had I, I may have misunderstood this line. I was I read an interview, the, uh, your comments in an interview that you did, uh, that said House Bill 218 will ensure that students and employees are not saddled with the costs of testing or masking if they are granted. Okay, so if they're granted an exemption, uh, it will prevent discrimination against the student based solely on their vaccination status while in a school setting or school property. So I saw the word masking there. I assumed it was uh, it was also banning the mandate of masking. No, no. I, unfortunately, you know, we... Uh, it's, it's, it's only, we can only cover so much. Right. But I will say that one thing I, I, I think the listeners, I think, should, should recognize, and I think they, they're noticing it uh, in their wallet, is, you know, the inflation cost, right? Mm-hmm. And we have people that are walking off the jobs and the hospitals, uh, the trucking industry, based upon this. I mean, this, without having this legislation, we might single-handedly cripple 
our economy almost overnight. And I think that that's um, so important for folks that, that say, hey, I don't want to regulate businesses. I say, listen, we regulate businesses all the time. That's It's the Ohio Revised Code. And, you know, this piece of legislation covers uh, an opportunity to save our economy during a, uh, the height of a crisis. Representative Katrona, one of the other problems I have with the bill is the sunset clause. It uh, it ends in what twenty twenty five at some point. Um, why is that important to have this in there? Would this is it is it just a matter of getting it passed? Do you think there would be less appetite to pass something that is permanent? Absolutely. I mean, you know, everybody wants a uh, everybody wants to have the, the perfect bill, right? We all want that, but we also have to in this situation make sure we can count our votes. And, you know, people are feel more at ease uh, legislatively doing it for a period of time that gets us through this, this big crunch and gives us an opportunity to revisit it. Uh, it's not the perfect answer, but it's an answer that can get us the, that, that magic number of 60 votes uh, when we need it in the House. Now, here's, here's something crucial, Representative Alcatrona, uh, who is uh, the sponsor of the lead sponsor of Ohio House Bill 218. It passed the House. Uh, it's now going to be debated or is being debated in the Senate. We'll see where it goes. Uh, hopefully it passes with a strong enough majority to override a veto, which I'll ask you about in a moment. But from the, from a corporate and a, an employment stand, standpoint, um, just announced last week at the end of the week that the Cleveland Indians, <coughs> Guardians, <coughs> can't stand it, uh, that the Indians, are are mandating every employee with that organization receive one of the profit jabs or they lose their jobs. Cleveland Clinic uh, has announced everyone take one of their profit jabs or they lose their jobs. Um, they've set deadlines already. So here's my question for you. If this bill passes and it becomes Ill- and it's signed or or it's over or a veto is overridden and it becomes law. If this bill becomes law and it's illegal to mandate those things for employment, will it have retroactive capability to go back and tell these companies like the Indians or Cleveland Clinic or whatever that when they fired people for not taking the jab, they now have to hire them back? Well, you know, there's there's no language in there that says that they're, they're required to hire anyone back. What it does say, though, is that, you know, if they're mandating this stuff now, they're going to have to take that, the... Um, they're going to have to take the exemptions. So you know, hey, you know what? If you're a business, you want to you want to uh, you know play with fire. Okay, you're going to get burned more than likely, but that's okay. You're going to have to accept these exemptions, though, and that's that's what this does. It's that, even even you know, after the fact, though, are you like like if let's say they deny an exemption now, because right now this isn't law, so there's no conscience exemption here. There's only the application for the religious and for the medical exemption. So if they deny those exemptions now and they fire these people and replace them with people who are willing to take the job jab as a condition of employment. After this becomes law, that, that's my question. Do they now have to go back and say, okay, now we honor your exemption because the law says we have to and you, and you can come back to work? Or is this just a matter of civil lawsuits in order to get jobs back? Absolutely. There's civil lawsuits. This bill's got some teeth in it. It, cre- it creates an opportunity for them to, uh, uh, you know, they feel that they've been wronged in this situation. There's a lot of avenues uh, to go through the court system. Uh, you know, the, the truth is, um, you know, unfortunately, you know, it's, it's very difficult to, to legislate retroactively. Um, you, know, you very rarely ever kind of see that happen. Um, this is kind of, in, uh, it falls in that same round where, you know, you're not going to necessarily be able to say, uh, hey, you know, if you got fired, uh, you lost your job, 
and then all of a sudden you know to hire somebody else and they don't call you back. Uh, you know that that might cause and like, prevent it, you know, be a possible issue. I will say this: given the work shortage that we're having right now, good yeah. luck trying to find folks. And I think that I think people need to see this for what it is and need to be willing to say, "Hey, you know what? If if you're going to do this, I have different avenues to take." Because you know, right right now, workers are like gold, and they need to be treated like that. Um, we're talking to Representative Al Catron, Ohio State Representative, District Fifty Nine, sponsoring uh, House Bill Two Eighteen. Is there a sense of urgency here? Because I feel like there is. There has to be for the Senate to pass this as well and get this to DeWine's desk because it's December 2nd. Uh, we know that the government, the federal government's mandate, uh, had a, had a January 4th, I think it was, deadline, uh, through OSHA to, to get, uh, companies with 100 employees or more to have all of their vaccinations in order. Uh, and I know there's been a stay granted, but in the event that that is not, you know, upheld in a court, uh, or that, that the challenge is not upheld in the courts, um, I kind of feel like, you know, if this passes in January or February or March, it's too late for those workers who are being fired now. So is there a state of urgency, Representative Katrona, to get this thing done before that January 4th deadline in the event that people, uh, you know, are, are going to be fired for not having their job before that? Yeah, absolutely, there's an urgency. I, I think that we're seeing that. I mean, the, the you know, my chamber, we were able to move it fairly quickly uh, once we kind of got our, uh, you know, got, got it rolling. But the Senate, if you notice, they not only gave it a hearing for a proponent, they also gave it uh, a sponsor testimony and proponent. So, I mean, that's that's a good sign that the bill's going to, you know, you know, continue to move. And you know, I, I can't tell you what the Senate's going to do. I'm not in that chamber. But uh, it, it looks like there's a sense of urgency. I think the people have reached out to their, their representatives, their senators, and they're recognizing that this is a legitimate concern. And, you know, I think that the people should be really, you know, excited that we're not willing to get pushed around by these big government, uh, these big, um, these, these big, uh, corporate companies that are threatening us, you know, that we're, we're standing strong and that we have, uh, steel spines. Yeah, I, I hope so. Uh, and then here's the last thing is, uh, you know, I mentioned getting it signed. Uh, Mike DeWine has been less than favorable, uh, to ideas of, uh, of, of, you know, weakening the state's power. Uh, he likes wielding that power. We saw that during the entirety of the 2020 lockdowns and uh, the school shutdowns and so forth. Um, I don't think he's going to like the idea of the people having the right to claim conscious exemptions and so forth. So my question to you is, can we not only get this passed, but can we get it passed with a veto-proof majority if he stamps his big red veto on this and tells the people, no, you don't have the right to make your own decisions. You'll do what we say. Yeah, I'll tell you what. As far as the House is concerned, we got the numbers. Um, and, you know, people might say, oh, you only have 58 and you need 60. Yeah, we, three, of our, one of our, three of our strongest conservatives that were very uh, proactive and, 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 and supportive of this were out that day. They'll be there on the day, if, if necessary, to override governor's veto. I believe, I believe the Senate will be alongside with that because it is a major issue. I'm hoping that we don't even have to go that far. I'm hoping that people recognize the amount of support we have, and if it go, and, and hopefully it goes to the governor's desk, and, and um, instead of have to play uh, the game and go back and forth, um, you know, that he signs it, and we get uh, we can kind of move on, on off of this issue and address different um, avenues um, concerning this. Well, I'll tell you what. Um, the people need to be louder and more quickly perhaps than ever before on this because as i said time is is uh is a factor here 
urgency should be should be considered. We don't want more and more people to be fired in the month of December while the while the state senators sit on their hands and don't move this along quickly and get it to Michael Dewine's de- uh, desk quickly. So I, I just want to remind everybody just to find your uh, state senators, uh, find your state representatives' contact information. It's not that hard. I just did a DuckDuckGo search, Ohio Senate, clicked two buttons, have right here in front of me, ohiosenate.gov slash senators. Here are all of their names. You click a connect button under any one of their names, and you will find their contact information, their phone numbers, and so forth, their email addresses. Contact your senators. Contact your representatives. Urge a veto-proof majority uh, to uh, to to vote for House Bill 218 to protect our rights to make our own decisions on what medication we take and what we're forced to take. And then, of course, contact Governor DeWine. We don't like him. He's not a true conservative. He bit us last year. He basically told us, uh, go pound sand. We don't care about your liberties. But right now we need him to sign this bill post haste so that we do not, once it becomes, uh, passed by the, the, the uh, legislature, the assembly, sign it post haste so we don't have people, you know, a month from now going, dang, now they passed it. I'm already fired. Now how do we get my job back? We don't want people to have to go through that, do we, sir? You're absolutely right on that. I'd say reach out to your senators right now. We have a very small window where we have session in both the House and the Senate. Um, I'm hoping we can get this thing wrapped up sooner than later. A lot of folks are counting on this. We've got to get to the finish line. Reach out to your senators at this point, um, and, and hopefully we can get this over to the governor's uh, desk. And like you said, call the governor's office as well. I mean, let's, uh, let's let them know where you stand on this. That's right. Exactly right. We got to let them know that the people of Ohio are tired of this. They want their liberty back. They want the right to make their own health decisions and for themselves and for their families. Uh, and this is how it gets done. So, uh, by the way, when does the session end, uh, our representative? Well, you know, for, for us in the House, I think we're, we're scheduled for two more session dates next week. Okay. So on our end, and, you know, obviously there's, uh, if needed, and the, and the speaker or the president of the Senate can call it whenever, but it's, it's, we were coming to that, that, that final, uh, crunch time. So you're seeing us kind of work to the finish line. Reach out to that Senate. You know, right now the ball is in their court, you know. Right. People well, ask no the court. House to make it people ask the House to do something. We've done something. It's it's now over in the Senate. Well, I'll tell you what I'm going to do on my end. I'm going to try to get as many senators on the air over the course of the next few days as humanly possible. We'll get Matt Dolan on. He wants to come on anyway to talk about the U.S. Senate uh, race. We'll get Roman Chuck on. We'll try to get the president of the Senate on. We'll try to get as many of these people on and encourage them. But as I said, I want everybody listening to me right now, share the information with friends and coworkers and so on. Get the senators off of their rear ends and get this done right now. The House did it promptly and with expedience. The Senate needs to do the same people's jobs and people's lives are at stake here we've got to get this done before any deadline is reached uh representative alcatrona so glad that you put this bill together so glad that you were working so hard to get it passed and get it supported in the senate thank you for coming on and please keep us posted with any developments absolutely hey thanks so much for having me on a pleasure sure sir thank you all right, that's Representative Al Catrona, Youngstown, Mahoning Valley, uh, Mahoning County, and uh, and he's the sponsor of this thing. And he's right. It's got to get done quickly. Make your voices heard. Contact your senators. Get it passed. Get it to DeWine's desk and let him know what we want. I'll be right back. Text. 
understand whatever. Just don't text and drive. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A message from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. Okay, 9.57. We'll uh, try to squeeze a call or two in here before the top of the hour. Thank you again to Representative Katrona. we got Everett Piper coming up after the top of the hour. Let's go to Millerberg Heights. Andy, you're on the air. Go ahead, sir. Yeah, good morning, sir. Thank you. Just uh, in my opinion, you're a good company, and I mean this in a good way. President Reagan, President Trump were both told they have a big mouth. You also have a big mouth, <laughs> and thank God for that. You're getting the word out. That's what it needs to be. Uh, you got a set of gonads that these other people on the, on the radio don't have, and that's good to see. And then one of the, the last thing I'd like to say I wish that people and yourself would quit calling this a vaccine. It is not. It's an experimental drug, and I think that's what has people confused. They keep thinking this is a vaccine, which makes it sound like it's something good for us, but it's not. It's an experimental drug. This is to depopulate the globe. This is the globalists want this depopulation, and they can only do it through an experimental drug, and they're using us as guinea pigs, the men, women, and children. And that's that's a damn shame. And with that, uh, there again, I thank you for your big mouth. You keep it up. Thank you and you, Pastor sir. Ernie Sanders on twelve twenty. You guys got to get together because I'll tell you what. You guys talk the same story. He's been doing this for forty eight years. There, you guys can you guys can help each other out. And I'll tell you what. You would you would take over the airwaves, the two of you, because he's <laughs> all over the United States like you are. Well, and, that's, uh, uh, God, that's good God company. Bless you. God bless you guys for doing thank, that. Thank you, Andy. That's good company indeed. And uh, by the way, that's about the only thing I have in common with Ronald Reagan and Donald Trump is big mouth. Well, that and love of country, I will say that. Uh, I don't have anywhere near the wisdom or the ability to do the great things they've done. But to your point, I have tried to avoid use of the word vaccine as much as humanly possible. I did it during the interview with Al Catrona. I continue to say profit shots or profit jabs or just shots. Uh, and you're right. They are experimental drugs. They are toxins. Uh, and they're trying to see how our body reacts to them, uh, and which is why they're trying to mandate it, because people are wising up and saying, oh, I don't want to be a part of your experiment. I don't want to sit in your Petri dish and see what happens to me. That's essentially, you know, what's happening now, and that's why they're continuing to try to push the mandates, creating new variant scares. Oh, look, this is even more important than ever now to get that shot, get that shot, or as they say, get vaccinated against a new variant. Even though the variant, according to the doctors in the country where it was discovered, uh, is harmless. Gives you some muscle pain and some fatigue, and then you're good. Uh, But they're still trying to scare you, and this is, you know... I said this to WKYC online this morning. WKYC Channel 3, 3 News, whatever you want to call it. I used to have a good relationship with them. I am so disgusted with their left word lurch. So disgusted, particularly online. I cannot stand the fear porn in which they engage. They just thrive on scaring the bejesus out of everybody with every little news story they can. If there is somebody who gets sick, they've got a news story about how their uh, person that they're featuring really wishes they had gotten vaccinated now because, oh, it's me, this is terrible now, or, oh, I lost a family member and they didn't get vaccinated, and they're just all over it. And I, like I told them this morning, and I'll say this about everybody else engaging in this fear-mongering, they're like little 12-year-old boys who happen upon their dad's old stack of Playboys up in the attic. 
It's like you're 12 years old, and oh my gosh, look at that. And you just can't stop yourself. And the kids are running up the stairs to that attic every time dad's out of the house. That's how these people are with COVID fear porn. They can't stop themselves. They're addicted to it. Addicted to it. And they're, they're, they have an agenda here that is unholy, to say the very least. All right, I got a lot more for you coming up with Dr. Piper next. AM 1420, The Answer. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 